Thanks for joining us for the Fight for Your Marriage podcast with Charlene Steinkamp. This is a place where you can find hope for your marriage through Jesus Christ. Well, it's Lori, and we are excited to be with you today. I'm sitting here with my mom, Charlene, and today's podcast is going to be a little different, but we wanted to go through and just kind of give you some resources that will help you for your situation, regardless of if you're praying for a spouse that is an in-home prodigal, if you're divorced or you're separated, or maybe you are still married, but just starting to realize that there's struggles in your marriage. We wanted to just let you know about a lot of resources that are available that will help you, but also give you some practical application to how those have helped other people in the past. We don't have time to go into your testimony, and that's available on our website if people don't know your whole story. Share a little bit with us about the beginning of your stand and what God spoke to you and where you were at spiritually when you first started praying for restoration in your marriage. Most all of you know that when I was having severe marriage problems with a lot of circumstances, I shared that with Uh, one of our pastors and then a second one got involved also and they really suggested um, that I had to get a divorce for the safety of my children and I just became um, where I just listened to people and took surveys and I didn't go to the Lord and that is what I want you to know today the Lord does speak and I, if I can say anything that is going to be probably on my tombstone as that I did not know God does speak at the time I had been a believer. And so I had always read the Bible, but I have never really felt that the Holy Spirit was going to speak to me. Two to three months after our divorce, the Lord brought a couple to our church that came to share their testimony morning and evening about marriage restoration and how that her husband had many circumstances that looked impossible to be touched or changed, but she never gave up on praying for her husband. And the Holy Spirit really touched my heart and knocked on my little shoulder and said, you never did that. You never prayed for your husband. You gave up. You gave up on Bob and you gave up on me. And then I listened, and the Lord opened my ears to hear so much. And let me take you to Matthew 19 to just remind you of the scriptures that are in the word. Let me read in Matthew 19, starting with verse 3. Some Pharisees came to Jesus to test him, and they asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Jesus replied, Haven't you read? He replied, At the beginning, the Creator made them male and female. And said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. And that's such a powerful statement. So that day and evening, I knew that God had called me and was telling me, to stand and pray and fight for my marriage for the rest of my life and pray for Bob to come home. You were committed to stand for marriage restoration, committed to wait for your husband to come home. And I know that during that time, practically, 
there was a huge change in your spiritual life where you have said that you felt like you used to be playing church, but instead during that time, your relationship with Christ was new and fresh. It was new, fresh. It was, um, I felt like I was blossoming. I felt like the word was just coming alive whenever I read it. The Lord would even, it seems like when I would read something, if it was a special scripture he wanted me to read, it would just seem to lift off the page or it would just be highlighted or it was literally God just said, this is for you today. Well, I know that one thing that was very important to you then and it's still important to you today and anyone who has ever had a conversation with you um, probably has not been with you very long before you ask them, do you pray the armor of God from Ephesians? And um, back 30 years ago, when you were standing for restoration, I know that you had a laminated eight and a half by 11 piece of paper that had the armor of God and that scripture from Ephesians written out. And every day as you would get ready, we would see you with that piece of paper. And it was something that you committed to every day to praying the armor of God over your family members. Amen. It, it is vital. It's vital if you're married or not married. It's vital if you're a teenager. This is something we need to teach our children and our grandchildren and each other, family, friends, believers that go to other churches, we need to say, are you putting on the armor of God? And that is vital. It says it so strongly in the word to put on the armor of God. And Ephesians 6 is where you can find the armor of God, starting in verse 10. Um, it says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. And that is the whole secret is that you're not battling flesh and blood, but we are battling an enemy and God's giving us the tools that we need to be able to fight that enemy. When I ask people about, are they putting on their armor of God and reading their Bible mostly every day, they often say, oh, I know you, you talk about the armor of God, but I really don't put it on daily. And in fact, I forget. And so what I've always said is when you get dressed to go to work, you don't go to work in your nightgown or your pajamas or your night clothes. When you get up in the morning, you go and take a shower, get your makeup on, or you shave, and you start preparing to go outside to work. And we need to prepare to go outside into the world. You need to put on the armor of God every day to go out to work because you do not know if you may be in an accident. You don't know what could happen to your children or your husband or wife that are not even home right at this moment. So put on the armor of God on them faithfully and you will be blessed and encouraged. And then it says in verse 18, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. 
with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. And that means pray for others. If you visit our website under the resources and prayer resources, you can find a whole page that is specifically about the armor of God. And there's a PDF that you can print to download the Armor of God study guide and prayer. So you can use that as a tool when you're doing your devotions and having your prayer time. And it'll walk you through how to specifically pray the Armor of God for your loved ones. One of the other things I know that came alive to you during that time um, in your prayer life was praying specifically people's names in scripture when you felt like you had run out of words to say and you did not know how else to pray because it felt like there was no words left you just started praying scripture back to God and using his word as prayers and then that evolved into putting people's names in scripture so can you tell us a little bit about that when I did run out of words of what to say it seemed like I was repetitive praying for Bob's heart to be transformed and touched. And really, I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, pray the word back to me. My word is powerful. It's holy. It's, it's alive. I did Bible studies that were by Warren Wordsby and many, many other men and women of God about teaching on the epistles with Paul's letters. And Paul was a mighty man of God. And if you read many of the scriptures of Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and you go to these different ones, you will uh, end up praying for your husband or wife and you and your family to become more Christ-like, have the character of our Lord. Let me read one example in Ephesians chapter 1, which is one of the samples that I pray regularly for uh, my family and for all of you. Ephesians 1, starting with verse 16. I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you, and you can put the names, your family names in there, Bob and our entire family, the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that they may know him, Jesus, better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart or any of our family's hearts may be enlightened in order that they may know the hope to which he has called them to the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for all of us who believe that power is the working of his mighty strength. That few scriptures in Ephesians 1 is praying for your husband and for yourselves, your children, to have the spirit of wisdom and revelation that they may know the Lord better. One example of how you did that was Ephesians 1.18. I pray also that the eyes of Bob may be enlightened, that Bob may know the hope to which God has called him. That's how you would personalize it. Excellent. It's exactly the way I did it. And, it's, and it makes it alive. It's personal. You may and probably have many lost loved ones that do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And Ephesians 3 is another one that's very powerful. That it's Verse 16, it says, 
I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen Bob and my entire family with power through his spirit in their inner beings, so that Christ may dwell in Bob and my family's and my children's hearts through faith. And I pray that they'll be rooted and established in love. They may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So during your stand for marriage restoration, I know that was something that was very important. And it's something that people today that contact us love um, the resource we have on our website where you can print a personalized scripture. You can type in your name and your spouse's name, and it will, again, produce a PDF for you that you can just stick in your Bible, stick in your devotional book, and give you scriptures that are personalized with your name and your spouse's name that you can pray every day. So that's a great tool to have. During your stand and the time that you were going through your divorce, one of the other things that I know that was encouraging to you was music. And how did God use music during that time to encourage you and to um, just fill you with hope on the days where you felt like you had despair? Bob and I always loved music. He loved Southern gospel music. We went to concerts everywhere. And when I came home, I turned on the radio and I left the radio on. And that was the only way I could feel the presence of the Lord and just feel to get through and not be depressed and defeated with my children around. So music was a vital part of praising the Lord and keeping my thoughts in my mind on Christ Jesus of what he has done for me and what he was going to do for me, believing for a miracle. I was a basket case when Bob left after God revealed to me that I should never have divorced Bob. So I had such guilt and shame that I was just repenting over and over and crying out to God to forgive me and could he ever restore our marriage. And then, as it ended up, that he gave that example with this couple. But then he took me into the Word, and Philippians 4, 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition. With thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. So the word that God gave me was rejoice. And he said, I've seen enough tears. Now I want you to have the joy of the Lord on your face when you go to church and radiate the Lord of what he's doing in your heart and your life. I know one song that was really special to you during it was from Bill and Gloria Gaither called It Is Finished. It was, and it was when I was up late in the middle of the night, one, two o'clock in the morning, praying these scriptures and asking God to speak to me. It was just after I finished praying, I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me, and it says, it is finished. It is finished. As soon as I heard those three words, 
I instantly knew that was Bill and Gloria Gaither's special song that they sang at their concerts. The words are so powerful. And it was saying to me that he's heard me and that he's agreeing with me and it is finished. The battle is over and the victory is going to be won. And I played it in the living room over and over for 45 minutes or an hour, just praising the Lord and worshiping him, that he had spoken to me, that it was just like, okay, I've heard you, I agree with you, and sooner or later, Bob's coming home. Yet in my heart, the battle was still raging. Not all prisoners of war had come home. These were battlefields of my own making. I didn't know that the war had been won. And the chorus says, it is finished. The battle is over. It is finished. There'll be no more war. It is finished. The end of the conflict. It is finished. And Jesus is Lord. And that song is referencing his death, burial, and resurrection. And that verse is a perfect verse for your prisoner of war that you're praying for, that you don't need to get stuck in the battle because we know who wins the war. I challenge you to listen to music and worship the King of Kings and read the Psalms as David worshiped the King of Kings and worship God. And if you read the Psalms, you will get into a worship mode and focus on what God created and all that he is and what he will do for you and your family. One of the other things I know that you did in the midst of your battle was to journal and you would write down your prayer request. You would write down answers to prayer. You would write down things that you were grappling with and asking God about. And how did journaling help you when you were in the midst of the hard times? I love to journal. I never had done it before. I never, there's so many people that are so um, excellent in journaling their daily lives and keeping track of it, including Bob's father. But I never had done it, and when I started uh, having things happen with that I wanted to remember, even in the separation, the divorce, and then afterwards, um, I felt like I needed to write it down. And so that is what I started doing. And when I had a phone call that went sour and went bad, I would write down, Lord, why did that happen? How did I fall into that trap? And I would share my thoughts, my feelings, my frustrations. And then I would also share the, the positive notes that Bob would say where he was double-minded and saying one thing um, about getting married. And the next minute he might say, well, who knows, maybe after my fourth marriage, I'll come back home. And he would joke about it. So I would finally have to just say, praise the Lord. He's thinking about it and saying, you know, after the fourth marriage. So it was vital to me. Um, and then the neatest part was, is that after our remarriage, I had him in a box underneath my bed. And we were cleaning out different things. And he pulled it out. And he saw what it was, the stacks and stacks of old-fashioned steno pads. And he goes, may I touch them? And I said, I don't know if I'm ready for you to 
read what I wrote. And he said, can I pick one? And we start and see. And I was shaking. And uh, when he then started reading it, I started crying because he was hearing all what my doubts, my concerns, my fears, um, and my prayers that I would write in there. And uh, so it was, it was a beautiful um, afternoon on the floor in our bedroom reading many of them. And Bob said, I now understand why I came home, is that you really prayed and talked to the Lord all the time about me. And he was stunned. I think one of the greatest things about journaling is being able to look back with clarity on the facts of what was happening at that time. It's so easy for us to remember things incorrectly and forget the good things that God has done. But when you're writing them down every day, you are able to go back and see where God answered prayer and where you saw him move in your life. And it's a great reminder. Um, the scripture in Deuteronomy says, write them on your doorpost and, and tell your family about them. It's a great reminder to yourself and to your family of what God has actually done. Because when you're in the middle of the battle, it's easy to say, well, God's not answering my prayer. He doesn't speak to me. I don't hear from him. But all you have to do if you're journaling is to pick up a journal or pick up your phone if that's where you journal or pick up your computer if you do it on your, your computer. But go to where you journal and look back at what God has done and how he's provided for you. And it will show you the facts of what happened and not what the enemy wants you to forget about. And especially the special scriptures you will read that are just for you. You want to put them down. You want to date them. And I would definitely suggest you actually mark your Bible. I marked my Bible with dates and the time the Lord gave it to me. And I may write a bad day or I may write um, Bob has moved the fourth time. Different things like that so that I would remember the event but it is a powerful tool and you will go back and you're going to see your spiritual growth. I suggest if you're having a bad time with thinking your marriage is hopelessly never going to be restored, I say to everyone, go get your journals out and start at the beginning and go all the way through and spend some time doing that as a study because you will be shocked of where you are spiritually and what the Lord has been speaking to you. And when you're journaling, it's a purposeful time that you're going to look for where God has been talking to you. If you're just completely dependent on your memory every day, you're not focused on where did I see God move today? Where did he answer prayers today? Where did I see blessings from him today? It's so easy to just skate over those little things he's doing in our life and to just get overcome with the despair that you have. But when you're journaling and you're spending quiet time every day, writing down those prayer requests, writing down those answers to prayer, it helps you be so intentional and reflective. And you will be surprised. The enemy doesn't want you to remember. And so if you don't write it down, you will forget. And then you will may find a scripture maybe six months later and remember God had given it to you. You never even wrote it down. A lot of people that I know that journal love it. The ones that have never tried it, I would challenge them to, to try it. And you don't have to write a book. You don't have to write Correct. three pages. You could just 
write four sentences to sum up your day if that's what's good for you. I know that one story that was neat was after they sat down and looked at those journals together, there was a time where they took out my dad's journal and he had a day planner that he would write notes in and they started comparing dates. And it was amazing to see in my mom's journal where she had written a prayer request that it would be answered in my dad's journal. So for example, one weekend when the other woman was supposed to visit my dad that weekend, my mom had prayed that her trip would be blocked and that she would not make the trip to go see him and spend the weekend with him. And in his journal, he had written that the other woman could not come up to see him that weekend because she could not get her car out of the garage because the garage door malfunctioned and would not stop opening and closing on top of her car. I am telling you, when he told me that story, I was jumping up and down, shouting hallelujah, saying, I never knew that it got answered, but I knew that I had prayed diligently. I even fasted one or two meals because I just felt so burdened that he could plan that when he wasn't with my kids on one weekend, he was with her uh, because they had opposite times. So when he showed me that, It just lit my fire to say all these prayers that we are praying are not for naught and you do not know what is happening on the other side of that house or at the other person's house or and what Bob would say and and still writes um, in his devotionals. You think it's so romantic, it's so loving, it's so perfect with us and it was not we were arguing we were fighting uh, because you were praying against it and uh, there was a lot of battles going on and he was thinking how am I going to get out of this wedding and I'm praying that the marriage would never happen she would often give ultimatums to him if he did not follow through and be doing all what she wanted so it's not all what you think it is your prayers you feel like are not getting answered but you have no idea when god's going to reveal to you that he's actually been working on those requests that you've been laying at his feet so journaling's a neat way to track all of that and to just cry out to god i know that 30 years ago cell phones and technology was not what it is today so the day that your marriage was restored started with a lunch in a restaurant where there was conversations in the restaurant that day about getting married or about marrying another person and about coming home or not coming home. And today a person would pick up their cell phone or hop online and tell their tribe to pray for them. But that day it was you and God. And that was probably the best situation because God knew what was happening and what was going to happen. And when that remarriage happened so suddenly with getting married that very afternoon in a pastor's office, you had to be ready to live out what you had been praying for for so long. And so how did you feel at that point? Did you feel like you were prepared for restoration? I was shocked that he had gotten the marriage license and he said okay you can put this in your bible and someday i'll come home and it'll be we'll be all set 
But, uh, and that stunned me, and I said, Lord, can I have a uh, license? And uh, when they go get married in a few months, are they going to have trouble with Bob's got two licenses to marry two different women? My brain was swirling of what he was saying to me of when God was, had spoken to him that he needed to repent and come home. I thought, I can't believe this. And so when he was started talking to me, I got bold to say, Bob, I wanted to have a ceremony with us celebrating the resurrection of our dead marriage. And he goes, oh, no, wait, wait, listen. I'm not even sure I can go back to that church, our church. I'm not sure I can forgive what the pastors did. And he goes, so I don't know what all I want to do is ask the pastor to marry us today, and we start making restitution of our relationship. And he says, please, I, I know what you want, but maybe we'll get remarried later on, but not now. We just need to get married. That's what God said to do. So I let go. I let God, and I dropped it. And in fact, when in my talk with Bob, I said, Bob, in the, your side of the closet is my wedding dress, and I've lost all this weight. And so I'm fit in it. And that's what I wanted to wear when we got remarried. And so did I get to wear that again? No. But my grandchildren have all tried it on and worn around the house. But I had to let go of that dream that I had and, and trust the Lord that he would have touched his heart if he wanted him to do it. And he was just hurting too much, embarrassed too much, and didn't, wasn't up to doing that at that moment. I challenge you to live every day ready for restoration, ready for miracles of many things happening in your life, and be ready to talk to your husband or wife in any one of their difficult circumstances, because they may go through a lot of trials and tribulations, and you want to say, yes, and I say, say no. You're one flesh. You don't want a horrible things to happen to them. You want to pray for God to speak to them, to repent, and come home. You didn't have the resources that we have right now. Right now, there's books that we've written on the topic of restoration. There's a book that Dad wrote called Finding the Way Home, where he talks to a prodigal that is struggling with the thoughts that he was struggling with about leaving the life of sin and coming home. The book that you both wrote called After the Prodigal Returns and Standing After the Prodigal Returns, which walks a couple through how to get acclimated to those first days. And so when you were in those first days without the resources that are now available, how did you adjust to life together as a married couple? And did you ever feel in those early days, like maybe I was praying for something that I didn't really want because this is not easy? Many people will all acknowledge that there is an adjustment period and there's a process. But Bob and I were literally um, being obedient to what the Lord spoke that day. I was ready for him to come home from the moment that I repented at the altar 
and wait, praying for him to come home. It took two and a half years later, but I was praying for God to have me prepared. I was to the point of believing that any time he came and picked up the kids, um, that he would come back or he would stop in and, and eat dinner with us. I would say, Lord, if this is the time, keep him home. And so I lived expecting. It was as if I was pregnant, waiting for my miracle to happen. And that's what I want you to do. I want you to be expecting. But I know when he came home, after spending a couple weeks together and having the opportunity to go on a honeymoon and spend some time alone, it was time for him to return to his prodigal home, which was a couple hours away because that's where his job was. And the process of getting him transferred down and moving was just beginning. And so that was a process where you had to trust him while he was gone. And I know that on the podcast titled, I Will Never Forget July 7th, you can listen to it and hear the details um, of that situation. And it is really something that I think would encourage you because it talks about the time where they had to get back into the same house. And so when your restoration comes, I say that to remind you that it may not look as you expect it to look. We've had people who a spouse has moved back into the home but not wanted to move back to the bedroom. They've wanted to just ease back into the house as a husband and wife. We've had times where a spouse has had to move back into a home because they've lost their housing. They have no intention of reconciling, but they needed a place to live. And a standing and praying spouse has said, my door is open however you need it. There's been times where it has happened suddenly. There's been times where a spouse starts dating their husband or wife, and it's a very gradual process of getting to know each other again and going through counseling again. So don't think that your restoration is going to look like the next person's because it may not. Positively. And when Bob did go back, the devil wanted to torment me with how many different friends and girlfriends he had up there. I went to the Lord instantly, and I said, what about him up there? And he goes, I brought him home, and I will keep him safe up there. You need to only trust me. Don't look at Bob. So it was um, a real powerful word that I need to trust God and not look at the circumstances with my husband or anybody. Well, I hope that today has encouraged you and being able to hear the resources and the tools that you have available. We're so fortunate that we have God's word and we don't have to hide it. We don't live in countries where we have to be ashamed of his word, but we can openly carry the Bible and we can use it. And on last week's podcast, you heard from Jim and he spoke about the way that God has been speaking to him through the many resources that he has at his disposal, through reading books that other people have written, through God's word, through podcasts. But you have those resources available. And so I hope that you're taking advantage of them. And I hope that when you're using those resources, that you are always keeping God's word as the first resource that you need. You don't need a chat room. You don't need a community group. You don't need other people. You don't need 15 prayer partners. You need Jesus and Jesus only. And that's the one who's going to get you through this trial and 
30 years ago, that's all that was available. And that was enough. In fact, I do want to recommend that when I was standing, I didn't know anything about praying. And I started buying books on prayer and then spiritual warfare. And I became a pro on that in the sense that that is how God guided me and, and instructed me and taught me. And so by other men and women. Now, that was not a big, huge subject. Prayer was. But a lot has happened in the last 30 years. And you can think of the movies. You can think of the other books that have been written. And there is where you need to read on a sub two subjects that will help you for your marriage restoration and for the continuation of spiritual growth in your marriage. That's great. Do you want to close us in prayer? Yes. Lord, we just worship you. We praise you. We thank you for how you loved us and you created us and you chose us to be your children. And Lord, thank you that you touched each and every one of us to hear your voice, to say, come, follow me. And I just pray if there's anyone that does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior today, I pray they will pull over or stop or make a time tonight where that you will bow before the Lord and say, I don't know Jesus like Charlene does. And Lord, I want to. And I want to know that my prayers are working. So Lord, we just ask that you would speak to these men and women around the world. And we just ask that you would touch their hearts and their lives. There was one that has just recently accepted the Lord and uh, got baptized. And she's just praising the Lord that how she found us. Lord, I pray you would touch each and every one of these people's hearts and lives and that they would become on fire for you. I pray that you would speak to them very loudly in many different ways, and I pray that you would touch each and every one of their husbands, wives, or teenage children that have not known you as Lord and Savior, that you would start speaking um, and pulling and drawing the husband or wife or teenage children that, to you, and that you would open their eyes and ears, soften that heart of stone, turn it to a heart of flesh, and that they will surrender their hearts and lives to you, and that they will start thinking about what the mess of their life they made. And I pray that you will remove the other people of ungodly relationships of any kind, remove them totally, completely from all these prodigal husbands and wives and children, and Lord, may you um, heal and resurrect their marriages and build it on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. And we'll just give you the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I want to make sure that you're aware about some resources that we have. The first one is the Stop Divorce Bookstore. And you can get there through our website and find hundreds of pieces of material that will help you through your stand. When you're on that page, you can find a category section and you can search for products by categories, by adversity, family, a marriage in crisis, prayer, or Charlene's favorites, and find books or audio teachings that would just speak to the situation that you're in. Another 
great resource that I mentioned earlier is on the resources page on our website and there's prayer resources and there's many resources there. Some that we didn't get to mention that will just help you in your prayer life. There's 12 days of praying for your wife or 12 days of praying for your husband, three ways to pray, but many prayer resources that you can print and that you can stick in your Bible and can help you as you're working through your devotion time. And then one of the other most valuable tools is this podcast. And I don't know if you've been listening for a long time, or if you've been listening for a short time, but all of the episodes are available to you. So you can go back and find them on your favorite podcast app, or you can go to our website and listen to them directly from the website and go back and find podcasts that would minister to you in the situation that you're in. But there's many resources aside from our main devotional, which is the Charlene Cares devotional, that can help you and that can encourage you as you're walking through this battle. Become a leader for marriage restoration. Become a warrior. When you hear other people that are struggling in their marriages, tell them about the podcast. Tell them about the Rejoice Marriage Ministries website and about the prayer resources. And even if it's a person who's not in the middle of separation or divorce, the resources on the armor of God or on praying for your husband or praying for your wife will be very valuable for a person who's in a healthy, happy marriage, as well as a person who's struggling. So tell your friends about those resources that are available that will be a huge encouragement. And we would love to hear from you and hear how God has spoken to you through this. We'd love to hear what he's done in your life through journaling, through the habit of listening to Christian music, through the habit of praying intentionally for your spouse. So use the contact form on our website and let us know how God's been ministering to you. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Google Play, be sure to subscribe so that you're notified when a new episode is released. And if you enjoyed this podcast and you found it beneficial, will you submit a review so it will help our rankings and other people will be able to find it? If you want to reach out to us, you can do so from our website, Again, www.rejoiceministries.org. Write us and tell us how you enjoyed this podcast. If we can help you in any way, we invite you to visit the website of Rejoice Marriage Ministries at www.rejoiceministries.org. Thanks for joining us today as we proclaim that God heals hurting marriages.